three, two, one, roll the footage. Welcome back to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino, and my guest today spent thousands of hours on research how to stop people from wasting time making bad decisions by sharpening their intuition. Welcome, everybody. Sunil Godze. Hey, everyone. I'm, I'm excited to be here, and hopefully we'll drop some knowledge bombs and give you some tools on how you can start to sharpen your intuition today. Absolutely, because everybody takes decisions. How many decisions yeah. do we take every day? Is it 16, 30, uh, it's, 20, it's about 28 to 35,000 per day. It all depends upon which area of the research um, you look at. But you actually start with five to 6,000 a day when you're born. Uh, in the early years, and it's now twenty six to thirty five thousand decisions a day, and it's it's just you know there's some mundane ones like what am I going to eat? Uh, do I turn left there? You know, putting one step foot in front of the others. So there's some really there's a lot of them that are really kind of just automatic decisions, but the ones that in, and intuitions involved in each in every single one of them. But it's more the important ones that are really important where, and we'll talk about intuitive signals, it's really important to, to listen to those signals because those are the ones that really impact where your life is going, either personally or professionally. Oh, this is cool. So if you are listening right now, pick one decision that you need to take because we will go through many, many different levels of this decision and some things might help you take that decision the right way because there is the wrong way and there is the right way. How did you how did you find this topic uh, in the first place, Sunil? Yeah, so it, it was really interesting. This, this topic came out of my first book that I wrote called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. And the premise of that book was really that if you were to, if I was to list the failures and hurdles of others in business, then if you were to read that book and you learned from those lessons, then you should theoretically succeed faster because other people have already made the mistakes and the hurdles. So you shouldn't do it as well. And so when I started speaking on stages uh, around the world about that book, what happened was I kept getting the one question from a lot of entrepreneurs saying, okay, Sunil, give me the one thing that's going to have me succeed in business. And I said, okay, listen, look, I didn't come with a cue card or a PDF sheet. Like this is a 400 page book filled with a lot of stories of failure. And so uh, I, I just started rolling my eyes every time I get asked that question until I went back to the audio recordings. And when I went back to the audio recordings, 80 to 90% of them had used some form of, I ignored my intuition. I should have known what I did. Uh, I should have known what the right decision was. I ignored my gut, everything around this thing called intuition. And it really got me intrigued. So I'm thinking, okay, when did I uh, experience intuition? And so I distinctly remember when I was five years old, uh, there were these video games that uh, I wanted my dad to buy. And he said, nope, they're too expensive. And there's this voice that told me, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And that's exactly what I did. And I raised $200. $100 went to my dad. And the other $100 went to charity because that's what my school was doing at the time. And I really loved that, that aspect. It made me feel good. Uh, and so I, I remember that. And what happened is as I went through life, I started listening to, uh, you know, I'm a South Asian male. So, you know, there's actually a number of career doors that you're, uh, you're kind of confronted with, right? There's doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. Uh, 
And so this is what, what happened is as I kept getting older and older, I knew that there was this, this thing that was guiding me to make the right decisions. But then there were, it, I was conflicted with all these other people that are giving me different pieces of advice. And so that started leading me to start ignoring my intuition. And the first one, as I mentioned, the career, you know, here it, throughout my life, I was sort of meant to be an entrepreneur. Everything I kind of did in that space, I mean, starting at five years old, had entrepreneurship all wrapped all around it. Yet, you know, being the South Asian male, you know, I picked engineering because my dad was an engineer. Everybody else in the East Indian community is saying, you got to be doctor, lawyer, engineer. And so that's what I did. And I ignored my intuition. Uh, and I got two years in, I was, I just, I really didn't like it. It was not a career for me. Uh, and then two years in, I got a chance to be an, a private investor in a, a Mexican restaurant chain that came up to Canada. And pretty soon I was making five times more in dividends than I was as a full-time civil engineer. And so in year three, I, my intuitive, and we'll talk about signals, but they were starting to get louder and louder. And finally I had to let it go. I, it was so loud. And I, I said, I told my dad, I'm not, I'm quitting engineering. Um, and so I, that severed our relationship with, with, uh, our relationship. I didn't speak to him for a number of years after that, but then I moved into entrepreneurship and, oh, I just loved it. And I had five ventures, all of them totaled close to about 20 million in revenue. And then I started moving into, uh, management consulting. And one of the contracts I got was in, for a, a big firm in Silicon Valley. And the, the numbers that they were showing me in terms of what they were compensating me were, were huge. And I really got emotionally attached to that. And for some reason, the contract terms started changing. And it was really, it turned me off. And so I started talking to their HR uh, people. And for some reason, they were saying, no, no, everything is okay. Everything's okay. But yet something was telling me they weren't telling the truth. Uh, and I ignored that something. And uh, I ended up going down to Silicon Valley and I spent every single penny and the company never paid me and I came back broke uh, to Canada. And perhaps the, the, uh, the most devastating one is now I've gone through a number of series of things where I'm listening to other people and I'm not even trusting myself to make decisions uh, and I'm really doubting myself. And so I had a friend reach out to me when I was in engineering and she was being stalked at the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, the something was telling me that you need to meet with her that afternoon. But I just said, listen, let's meet a couple of days later. A couple of my friends were going out and, and again, I'm, I'm ignoring this something saying meet with her. Uh, and that the very next day, uh, the person who was stalking her walked up to her to a bus shelter and put a bullet in her head and killed her instantly. Uh, and so now I really needed to figure out, okay, what is this thing called intuition. I really need to dig deep because now I've lost a lot of time, money, effort, and a good friend on this thing called intuition. And so what ended up happening is I, I really struggled with the definition. So what is this thing? What is it? What? And so I went online. I looked at online dictionaries. Nothing like that resonated with me. Um, I, and then I remember hearing uh, someone in my, in my social circle uh, talk about intuition in terms of more from a spiritual sense, but more with signals. And I said, okay, that makes sense to me. Because the other thing is online at that time, people were talking about voices from God and manifestation and, and things like that didn't resonate with me. So if other people define intuition like that, no problem. But for me, that really didn't resonate with me. So this one international psychic was talking about these signals. And I said, yeah, I kind of see intuition like these signals. And so I went to interview her 
And sure enough, she talked about intuition and signals and it's, uh, it's uh, rooted in, in uh, like the research hasn't caught up with us. It's a belief system. Uh, there's some, you know, quantum theory uh, as well. And so I was really, it was, it was strange to me that she was saying that there was no research there because I know intuition hit me. And here now I've got a 400 page book filled with people talking about how they ignore their intuition. So how come there's no research? Uh, if, if there's this, this group of people that are talking about intuition, including myself. And so I was thinking, okay, who in my circle can I uh, also talk to that talks about intuition? And there's this neurologist that I knew. And so he was saying, yeah, you know, I went to interview him. He says it absolutely exists. And more and more uh, neuroscience research is coming out that is saying that we are, uh, that intuition hits us much earlier than we're conscious of it actually hitting us. And so that was really intriguing. I'm saying, wow, okay, so now I've got this sort of science perspective. And now I've got this sort of art perspective. And sort of I saw art as these signals, sort of energy-like uh, property. And this really resonated with me from even from engineering. So if you look at engineering, you look at the properties of steel, for example. Steel has both a mass-like property and a wave-like or energy-like property. So I saw intuition loosely like that, sort of the art and science part. And so I've got the science. I've now got these signals and I can match the two. And so the next thing is to see, okay, where's this research then that this my neurologist friend was telling me about? And so I went to an academic database. I typed in the word intuition and hit enter. And I'm thinking what, 10 or 12 articles, tens of thousands of articles on intuition. It was amazing. And so here's some, some really key pieces of, of uh, the research I picked up on. One of the first things I thought is that if I heard intuition at five years old, then, or experienced at five years old, then, then I must be born with it. And so there's one article that showed that infants as young as two months old have been shown to have intuitive tendencies, or this paper calls it intuitive physics. Uh, and then the other aspect of it is that I, I struggled with the definition. And so when I looked at some of the MRIs or brain scans, it showed that when intuition is actually hitting us or we're, we're making decisions based on intuition, the part of our brain that lights up is called the limbic system or the amygdala. That's the primitive part of our brain. And the reason why I couldn't find a definition and why when I interview people on what their intuition is, it's so different is because the limbic part of our brain has no capacity for language. So this is where we feel things. And it's it's really like your fight or flight center. Yeah, it j just knows fight, flight, think, trust, uh, run, move. It's and, and I'm putting words to something that are feelings. And so what I needed to do is that's why I needed to define it in my own way. So for everyone watching or listening, they're going to define intuition their own way. And that's perfectly fine. If, if my definition resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, it's up to you. If you think it's voices from God or for manifestation comes from the cosmos or simply experience, that is fine because intuition is your definition. It's very personal to you. And the other thing that uh, I noticed it's when when uh, the the neurologist was saying that it was much intuition hits us much earlier than we're consciously aware of it. I found two papers that show that intuition actually hits us on average seven to ten seconds before we actually take an action or make a decision. And it wasn't just people in their personal lives. They looked at entrepreneurs. And they did an experiment where they measured things like skin conductance and heart rate. Uh, and what they found is, sure enough, 
on average seven seconds before an into an, an entrepreneur made a decision, intuition hit them. And again, they're using brain scans. So now I found sort of the art and science definition of it. And so, so the way that intuition really acts for most of us is that for all of us actually, is that it's like a car. And so when you're driving a car, you push the button or you turn the keys and you hear the engine whir, which are your signals. And that's it. That's all you need to really kind of know to be really an expert in your own intuition. I'll get to the signals uh, coming up here. And that the engine are these signals that uh, we're talking about. And so there's two types of signals that we can think about. One is, and you can see when the engine is whirring really nicely, you, you kind of drive in a certain way. But the, when the engine is starting to kind of make weird sounds, we start thinking, is there something wrong with the car, right? And so our, our intuitive signals are the same way. The positive signals that we have are ones that tell us that the decision we're about to make is the right one. And so for me, for example, the dots connect or I feel pulled or a flow type of feeling. And one CEO uh, actually was telling me that he sees this omen pop up on his left, sorry, right shoulder. And so for him, if he's doing a business deal, if he's hiring someone or dealing with a vendor and this omen pops up, which has no shape or color, just, just comes up, he says yes. And he now he's he's grown two multi-million dollar businesses based on these intuitive signals. And so and that's omen. Uh, an we omen, have yeah. Professor Jagdish Katri who says intuition and omens are the signal from our soul to help in decision making. Yeah. What's your take? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and so for uh, for Jagdish, absolutely. So you get in, omens are these signals that come up. Uh, but we have to be be so so for Jagdish, it could be omens for the CEO. It's omens. But again, you have to know that these are individual things. So so for example, I don't see omens, or maybe I don't notice omens. But it could be that omens are. It could be that they're there. I don't know. I just know that when I am looking at making a decision, I look for my first signals are that feeling of flow. My first signals are an opening, right? And I just I just feel drawn to making that decision. And so it could be that the omens are later signals or other ones, but uh, because there's signals that come up right away and there are signals that come up later. And so he could be right. I just haven't gotten to that point because when I, I trust my intuition. So when I get those first initial signals, I trust it. And so I don't worry about the third or fourth signal that comes down uh, because to me, they're irrelevant um, unless I ignore those first ones. What about timing? I, mm -hmm. I observe that there are moments in decision-making where I have a high clarity about something. Mm -hmm. And later, if I don't act upon it, then later the clarity will become fog again. So I, I made it a habit to decide in that moment when the clarity is very high. And so I act quickly upon it, which seems impulsive. But uh, for me, it, it, is, it is a structured way because I know that this clarity is here right now and this is the moment to act upon it. Is, is there something in the in the 10,000s of papers that you have found about that? Yeah, so, so there's a couple of things there. So what happens is intuition acts in a split second and you need to you need to really kind of uh, you need to understand and trust it then. What happens is when we when we when we let time lapse, there's a couple of things that happen. One is some of us need to really revisit that decision because maybe it's a really important decision. So even though your intuition is telling you go down path A, 
you need to sit and think about, okay, what does that lead? You need to, to connect the dots. And as time goes on, you become more of an expert in your own intuition that that time starts to collapse. Uh, and so you need a little bit more time. The second thing that happens is that you fall back to old habits. And if you look at what happens with us, 99% of us are living the lives from other people's lenses. So either somebody put us in a traumatic event, somebody's given us bad advice, we're trying to prove people wrong. And it, there's some, some version of that starting from when we were younger. And what happens is when we start not trusting, truly trusting ourselves in, in the present moment, we start filtering those things around these other people subconsciously. And what happens is we start to doubt that initial signal that's telling us what we need to do. So maybe maybe you're an entrepreneur and you want to, you know that the idea that you want to, to have is going forward, but other people are saying, that's dumb. What are you doing? Look at the risk, blah, blah, blah. You know, all this noise comes in, even though you, intuitively you know that this is the decision you need to go, go to because of the positive signals, but you allow all this negativity to come in. So it, it, again, it's, it's specific because I'm, uh, there are different people in different ways. Some people are very, very affected by uh, you know, other people's opinions, social media, doubting themselves. Because what happens when you listen to all, all these other people, there's a lot of self-doubt that comes in. And there's fear. Uh, you know, fear in going against the grain, fear in making a decision that you know is the right one for you, but what will other people think? And it's really getting you to live in the present moment and say, that's fine. Those are their, those other people's opinions. But I know that this is the right way for me because my intuition is telling me. And so we have to be very, very careful on figuring out what part of that is like for you specifically without getting into the details of why. What are you thinking? How come? Why Why is there that fog again? Are you doubting yourself? Are you asking questions? Are you... Is there a level of risk you're not you're not comfortable with, even though your intuition is telling you? So there's a lot of questions I would have to ask to figure out why that fog comes. Um, but what happens is if you if you do if you do have that intuitive decision, and you take another uh, step and st sit and think about it later in a place that I call an intuitive medium. So what that is is you take a shower or you go for a walk or you have a bike or you do things that you can clear the air. You're not listening to 10,000 people. You're not on your social media. You're really thinking clearly. And what happens is you revisit that decision again. And and the, the clarity should come again. And what happens is you start to connect the dots uh, forward with that decision. Uh, and, and that's when things become really, really clear. And so in those moments where you're feeling foggy, um, perhaps you're allowing some other negativity to come in. Perhaps you're doubt doubting yourself. Uh, and that's where that fog comes in, even though you you know where where it is, the decision you need to make. And so that's what I would challenge you to do um, is to think about why does it why does that fog come up? Right. But but ultimately, what you need to do is, is as you say, act on it right away. Right. And what happens is in your case, it, and this is where the, the negative signals start to come in. And so when you start seeing that fog and you start walking in that fog, what happens is if you start going down a path, you make a decision that goes against what your intuition is telling you, you get the second type of signal called negative signals. And it's pretty simple, positive and negative. But what happens with the positive, the negative signals is they actually start very subtle in nature. And as you ignore those subtle signals, they start to get louder and sometimes they even change. 
Uh, and some people attribute, you know, getting into a car crash or becoming homeless um, or, you know, wanting to take their own life as the ultimate negative signal. And some people even hear the words, get out. I've heard one, uh, one CEO, this guy ran a nine-figure company, and it was successful by all means, doing very, very well. And he heard that whisper that he needed to quit. It was his time. Not because the company was going anywhere. His company was doing very well. It was just his time. And that whisper kept coming up and getting louder and louder. And he was sitting in his car one time, or I think it was a car in Uber. Uh, his name is uh, Darius, uh, Darius uh, Mishazadeh. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about him because he's uh, a number of, uh, he is one of the people that, that really affected me. And he was sitting in, in this Uber, his car, and it just came out. Quit. That was it. You got to quit. And it just came out. And so he just walked into his board of directors and said, it's my time, man. Um, this is a nine figure company. And so that's what happens over time. Uh, and so what you have to be careful with is that you need to spend the time to figure out what those subtle intuitive signals are. And so let's say, uh, you know, let's say you and I are doing this exercise and we talk about these signals. Uh, and so let's say we have that gut feeling. Let's say both of us, that gut feeling is a negative signal. Let's say you've identified, you've spent a lot of time and you've done the work to say that gut signal is signal number one for me. And let's say we're having coffee and it goes, yeah, you know what? I get that gut feeling too. But if I make the mistake of assuming that that gut signal is signal number one for me, but it's actually signal number three, what happens is when I make a bad decision and that gut signal comes up, I've missed signal number one and signal number two. And that means I've made two bad decisions already before the gut signal comes. And so those two bad signals, uh, that, those two bad decisions could be just stubbing my toe on a door or I could be headed towards bankruptcy. And when we look at the uniqueness of these signals, I was interviewing an entrepreneur and, you know, he says, look, Sunil, no, I mean, it, it, nobody really asks anybody about your intuitive signals. I mean, it's not as if we go for a coffee and say, hey, you know, what's your intuitive signals, right? I mean, you don't you usually ask about how's your day or the weather. And, and so he says, I've never thought about it that way, but let's keep talking. And as I kept getting, uh, as he kept talking about the, the ventures that he failed at, the ones that he went in for the wrong reasons, like money, fame, ego, he kept grabbing his left earlobe and Pretty soon he said, Sunil, oh my God, I just realized that every single time he ignored his intuition, his left earlobe would pulsate with heat. And he remembers going into these ventures that his left earlobe would pulsate with the heat. He remembered when he's talked to his wife about these ventures, his left earlobe would pulsate with heat. So this is how unique um, your intuitive signals are. And so when I come back to that analogy with the car, that's how we use the engine to figure out what's wrong with the car. And so the next step could be that we just simply take it to a mechanic and get that fixed. And so the mechanic is really you. But there are some people like me that actually want to pop open the hood and figure out what's going on underneath. And so when I look further into intuition, uh, which most people won't go into because you just need the signals, you're golden. But I found out that there's actually four types of intuition that work together. And this is important because when you get those signals, I, I don't want people to think that this is just the roll of a dice or anything. There's a lot of data and experience involved in, in these signals. And so these, and the best way I can tell you about these four intuitive types is to actually take you from a, a non-believer, the lens of a non-believer. And so one of the fellows I interviewed 
uh, one of my first interviews for the Intuitionology Project was a fellow by the name of John Rothschild. He was CEO and chairman of Care of Foods Limited, Care Operations, pardon me. And so he, he was an investment banker, uh, first and foremost. And so when you're looking at things that they're talking about voices from God and spirituality, yeah, you know, he's just saying like, okay, yeah, yeah, intuition does not exist, okay? Everything that you need to know about life and business is about experience, data, learning. That's how you make decisions. And so now we're going to start getting into the four types. The first of the four types of intuition is called experiential intuition. And what experiential intuition is, if you look at your brain like, a, like an iceberg, 90% below water is the subconscious. The 10% above water is your conscious. And so we were talking about how many decisions that you make a day, right? When you're born, five to 6,000. Every single day, every single one of the, those pieces of learning and experience go into the subconscious brain like a library every day and every single day. So when, when you get a signal that your intuition is telling you whether it's the right decision or wrong decision, it's going to go into the subconscious area of your library or your brain pull out those pieces that is relevant for the decision you're making and say, here's your experience that you've had. Here's the learning that you've had, both good and bad, formal or informal, yours and maybe others that you've noticed. But this is what you need to know. So this signal is super rich with experience, data, and learning before it even tells you what it's going to do for you. And so you've already got that backing. And what I was telling John is I was saying sometimes your intuition has you go against the data. And he says, well, you know, Sunil, that's very interesting. And, and, I, and I said, well, how come? And so what he was telling me is that there were these, this, so he was in the business of putting franchise locations, like McDonald's, uh, Wendy's, those kind of franchises. And when you put a franchise location from his perspective, he used a benchmarking system out of 10. And if it was a nine out of 10, when they looked at things like demographics and uh, the uh, development of the area and things like that, a nine out of 10 meant that that and traffic flows, you know, they would put a, a franchise location there and generally it'd be successful. He walked into this area of Toronto that his, that his team, he looked at and his team said, listen, boss, this is a five and a half out of 10. There's no way we're going to put a franchise location here. Now we're getting get into the second of the four called situational intuition. He walks into this area of Toronto. It's dilapidated. And he just looks around. He said, something is telling me. He says, perhaps intuition. He's now starting to use the word intuition. Something is telling me that we need to put this location here. And so he goes against his team's recommendation, puts a location. That ends up being the best restaurant uh, chain in his whole restaurant portfolio, a portfolio of, a rest of chains called the beer market. And it was the most successful because he went against the data. Now John is getting it. He's starting to understand about intuition and data and experience. And so then he starts telling me that his purpose changed. Instead of being an investment banker, he now wanted to run a company. And now we're going to get into the third of the four called relational intuition. What relational intuition does is it filters people through to only allow those who really care about your purpose and moving your life forward. Uh, and they will support you through the ups and downs. So all of the when his purpose changed, all of the people who were concerned about money, fame, high-end restaurants, limousines, private jets, security, ego, all those people told him he was nuts. 
Not one of them asked him why, except his wife. And his wife was asking him, John, why do you want to do this? And this came right out of his mouth when he told me this. And I'm quoting him. This just feels right. There is the intuitive signal from someone who 45 minutes earlier was telling me intuition simply does not exist. And the last one is the creative intuition of the four. This is the ultimate decision maker. And so when you're thinking about, you know, turning left at a signal or, or you know, some of the mundane decisions, your creative intuition is low because it's not very creative. But when you go against the grain, you make decisions that are obtuse in nature, your creative intuition is pretty high. And in John's case, it was pretty high. And so you would think that John's intuition would pick a, a, a restaurant or a, a business that has, you know, high cash flows, you know, strong revenues and a really healthy balance sheet. But his intuition picks this tiny bankrupt little restaurant. And so he quits three to $4 million a year job, walks in to that tiny bankrupt restaurant. He himself is, is telling me, Sometimes you just got to do it. The data is going to help you to get to your certain point, but enough is enough. You need to trust your intuition. He's fully using this word. Walks into that bankrupt little restaurant. That restaurant ended up being Eastside Mario's location number one. And he grew that location from one to over a thousand under different brand names in 20 years, growing it to $2 billion a year all because it felt right. That's how intuition works. I'm so curious how you pick for the strategy award after one word from our sponsor. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategysprints.com. When everybody zigs, this person is zagging, but from your perspective, they are doing the right thing. Who do you pick? Wow, uh, so there's... <laughs> There's so many people because I've interviewed over a thousand people. But if there was, uh, I would think if there was one person that I would pick, um, there's one guy that I know named Brendan Kane. Uh, and he's actually got a book that I'm going to mention, the three books that influence you the most, one million followers. And so he's, the, the way that he he has done things is that, and, we're, and he is actually coming up on my podcast series, he gained one million followers in 30 days. And what how he's been able to separate himself away from everybody else, well, a lot of majority of the people in social media, is that he it's really about establishing an intuitive connection with people. And he he has another book called The Hook Point. And what it is is when you have a message that hooks people in at an emotional level, and that's where intuition comes in. Nobody's going to buy from you. Nobody's going to get engaged with you by having pretty pictures and nice music and dancing and or things that just, if they know you're not being genuine at some point down, if you want to call it a sales funnel, if they sense that there's something that's that's off, your intuition on average within 14 seconds is going to say, I don't believe you or I trust you. It's that quick. And that's how, it be, by being trustworthy, by telling stories that were genuine in nature, he grew his fan base to a million in, in under, in, in about 30 days. And he's been helping people like Taylor Swift and a whole bunch of other companies with, okay, how genuine has your message, does your messaging have to be that that's how you're going to attract people that want to work for you, that want to buy from you, and the marketplace loves you. 
And that's what you need to do. You've got to be genuine and authentic with your messaging. You got to stop following models that are trying to fit yourself into a model that doesn't fit. You've got to trust your intuition to do things. And for me, that's why he's zigging while everybody else is doing something different and wondering why, I mean, you hear these stories about people on social media with 8 million followers, 2 million followers, 15 million followers, and they, they try and put a t-shirt to sell and they can sell five of them. It's because nobody's engaged. Nobody trusts them. They're just going to part their ways with their money from someone who's on a boat or leaning against a Lamborghini or is, you know, eating, you know, strawberries, you know, covered in chocolate. Those are great. And those give me momentary dopamine hits possibly, but they don't trust them to that point where they're saying, I'm going to part money with me because I believe in your journey. I believe in that you're behind this product. I know you're doing it for money. Even if it's subconsciously, we're saying that I don't believe them. And if I don't believe them, I'm not going to give you that money. And some people will, but you're getting people that are very vulnerable, that are bottom feeding. And I think that's very dangerous. What happened in these 30 days that created so much traction? Well, he, he just established relationship. He created content that people were really engaged in. And what so and obviously you've got the book called One Million Followers. So he, he details a lot of it. And his second book actually talks a little bit more about the hook point. What's that story? What hooks people in and drives you a little bit deeper? Uh, and when people are a lot more genuine in what he's doing and his messaging and his marketing, they get hooked into saying, yeah, this guy really knows what he's talking about. There's a lot of endorsements from some really, really, really big people like like Taylor Swift and things like that. And Taylor Swift is is from what I understand from from hearing his his first manager. Um, I heard a podcast series with him. The reason why Taylor Swift um, is really popular is because she's very connected with her followers and people believe her story and she's very engaged. And it's really about that authenticity that's very, very important. And to give you a little bit of a context, my nine-year-old daughter, is she sings. And so Taylor Swift is one of her biggest fans, as are probably millions of others. And I know that she's been actually tweeting or, or you know, sending some Instagram things. You're, I'm one of her biggest fans. And eventually, she gets a message back. And it's a bit delayed. And so there's always that. that I mean, she's nine. So she's saying, oh, Taylor Swift, uh, you know, uh, it, it texted me back or DM'd me back. And from my perspective, I believe that it is actually her that's actually spending the time to do that because that her rise to fame was about that is about connecting with the fans in a very genuine, authentic way. And even if she has a team behind that, uh, there's that genuine authenticity that's sort of being transferred. And that's the secret to her success. Right. And it shouldn't be a secret. I mean, it should be the success that everybody should have. And so your job is with intuition is to know, okay, who are you going to let through? Who are you going to filter through that's going to really support your success moving forward? And who do you have to let go? And it, it, it's, it's very simple. And what happens is we cloud that with a lot of emotion. Sometimes we have to deal with family. We have to deal with colleagues at work. And that's fine. But you can still maintain a distance. You can also be cordial. You don't have to be, uh, you know, if you don't like someone, you don't have to, you know, be a dog and, you know, just, just jab at them. You can be cordial, but you're not going to allow them in your inner circle. They may have opinions. You don't allow the opinions to penetrate what the, the opinions of those who you need that are really going to have that foundation for you to move ahead. And that's what intuition is really, really good at. And guess what, folks? It happens in 14 seconds. And if you're taking longer than that, you're ignoring your intuition. And these decisions should, people say these decisions are hard. They're not hard. It's black or white. 
you make it hard because you're clouding your emotions in it. You're making it hard. But when you make that decision and we all put quotes around hard, things free up. It becomes cathartic. You start doing stuff you want to do. You start living life you want to. And all the people that I've interviewed, over a thousand people who've been homeless or who've gone from uh, abusive relationships or wanted to kill themselves or got addicted or what have you, they've been affected by people that got them there. And it was until they cut that rope that then they started to live life successful. Then they became a multimillionaire. Then they became a successful speaker. Then they just simply did what they wanted to. Then they retired. Whatever it is, it's not about the money or the fame. or It's, it's, it's just you living a life the way you want to because you're cutting off the rope of people who don't give you the confidence to trust your intuition. Are you 14 saying seconds. 14 seconds we know what's happening yeah. and we can act upon it? Absolutely. So when it comes to people, trust is developed within 14 seconds. And there's a there's a research paper that backs this up where they looked at the exchange of value between investors and, and they looked at the, the brain scans. Uh, uh, and it was within 14 seconds that they either trusted or distrusted that person. And that's it. So you trust or and, and you have to think, look at the things that you're looking at. So intuition is picking up on previous uh, actions. So you can you take a look at even the four types. You can use the same four types with a person. What previous actions that they had are the words matching the actions. We're watching their body language. We're watching what they say, the tone of that. We're watching their twitches to see is that a deceptive twitch? Where are their eyes going? We don't have to be body language experts, but we know that there's a baseline that we can look at in terms of trust with everybody we have. And all the are these these behaviors when they're when they're away from that baseline, is that deceptive or is that still because they're nervous or something like that? So we're very good at being cautious about deceptive behavior. And we've all been in that situation where we kind of meet someone and we instantly know there's something wrong with that person or there's an instant connection right away. And intuition actually acts, I mean, this is an average of 14 seconds, which is what the research is able to measure. Uh, intuition acts actually in a split second. So you're able to make that decision basically right away. And, and it, what I'm saying is that the next 14 seconds, are you're basically telling me, okay, prove it to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're taking a look at these little actions, things that they're doing, and it's constantly on. So even if you allow somebody into your inner circle initially, your intuition is always on. It's not static. It's always dynamic. It's like a camera, right? So even if you have a really good friend and your friends or you get married, this is, this is common in marriages as well, uh, and something changes in their life, right? They're not trusting their intuition. They go... They go associate with people that go against your values. Things change. People change. And when they change, your intuition's watching that. And that's when you start getting the warning signals. There's something wrong with that person that is going against the values that we hold as true. Now, intuition is going to give you second chances to them. And, and if it's minor value change, that's fine. There's no two people that are the same. My wife and I are very different people. But our values are essentially aligned, a little bit different, but they're in a, within tolerable limits. But the moment that my values go outside a tolerable limit for my wife, she's going to find out what the hell happened. And then we've got to have some serious discussions about what's going on. And we got to do it soon because if she lets that go, you just stay in that relationship for long term. It's just long term damage. Right. And I don't know how many people I've told, I've asked that they knew the moment that they said yes 
to getting married to someone, they knew it was not the right yes. They wanted to say no. Time and time and time again, I've heard this from people who actually are being honest when I have in, uh, conversations with them. Some want to make it public, some don't. But they instantly know that this is headed for trouble. But there's some kind of sunk cost or something's pulling them. The cards have gone out. Our families have talked. We've talked to the kid, whatever it is. I mean, we're all making these these rational things that convince us otherwise. Um, you know, and, and it's a recipe for disaster. Three books that shaped you most. Three books. So, so uh, One Million Followers with Brendan Kane. I've mentioned that. The other one is Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. Beautiful book written in the 70s. Amazing, amazing stuff on frequency. And so the, it goes a little bit deeper into sort of the nuances of frequency and stuff. But if you take it from a 30,000-foot level, lots of stuff on intuition there uh, from my perspective. And Think and Grow Rich is a new one by James Whitaker. Uh, has some newer and updated stories in there. Uh, but a, a lot of it is sort of mindset, mentality. But the underlying core theme uh, is intuition. And I had James Whitaker on my podcast series. And we talked about that. Intuition is sort of the the common theme. That's that's what I tied. Um, yeah, but it was a great, great book. Um, and yeah, those are the three. Amazing. Where can people read more about you, stay in touch with your research? Yeah, absolutely. So they can go to a couple of places. There's intuitionalenergy.com. So that's more on the personal side. So, um, and that's, and, and I'm shifting that more to more relationship based. So it's really about the, the, the people that, that you can, that you need to cut off in 14 seconds. I'm finding more and more and more people are asking me about that aspect of intuition. Uh, and so that's becoming a common theme that's getting me to change, you know, what I'm, how I'm teaching people with intuition there. And then the sunilgatsi.com, if you go there, that's all about what I call intuitive branding. And it's that trust element within 14 seconds that you need to have that in terms of core values, how you treat your employees, the messaging you give to your customers. And when those are all aligned, that's how you crush your competition because nobody can touch you. Who should be my next guest? Wow. So I would uh, reach out to, um, I mean, I would reach out to Darius uh, Misharzadeh. Uh, there's, there's him. There's Leslie M. She talks about swagger. Uh, there's a really great book that she's written out about speaking your truth uh, in businesses. So there's a couple of guests I've got suggestions for you. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sunil, for being on the show and sharing all your 10,000s of research papers with us in, in a practical, condensed way in four steps. Thank you so much. Please come back soon. Thank you. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.